0: Thank you for listening to Podcast Atlantic. My name is John. I will be your host. Uh, If you did not know, this is the podcast for the band Fort Atlantic. If you're here, I don't know how you got here by accident. So welcome. Uh, Thank you for listening. My guest today is Evan Way from the band Parson Redheads. Uh, Evan is a dear, dear soul. I'm so grateful he decided to come into the studio and chat a little bit about the band. Their new record, Blurred Harmony, out on Fluff and Gravy Records right now. Side note really really amazing record go get it go listen to it it's uh it just feels right it's hard to explain it's hard to put in words and I think that's one of the things I love about making music and not just music but now that I'm starting to dive into like video the the feel and the character and the texture of how you make something uh c- is often communicated through the medium you're choosing and and I think that's one of the Cool things about making something you know it's easy to look at the current landscape of music and film and culture and just be like that it's all edited and completely clean and I don't know it's it's hard to find humanity in it sometimes uh, and that's probably the one reason I'm just a huge fan of this new Parson Redheads record it's just a human record it, it just feels right So go listen to Blurred Harmony uh, out now and go buy it on vinyl because that's like the perfect format for this music. Um, We have a really wonderful conversation about life and how the band started and all ages clubs and how that was so influential for our development as musicians. Um, But a little bit of housekeeping first. If you live in the Portland area, please come to our show on June 25th at the Doug Fur. It is the day as Timbers versus Seattle. So uh, what I suggest doing is what I plan to do is go to the game and then continue the party after we win and then come show up to the unofficial official post Timbers after party. Okay. There is an episode of Super Force Atlantic where I play video games with creators. And this episode is Evan Way as well. So go on over to the YouTube channel. Check it out. And uh, thank you again for listening. Here's my interview with Evan Way from the Parson Redheads.
1: You know, there's a Bigfoot convention happening um, in Troutdale in like November. Are you serious? Totally serious. $5 suggested donation to attend. You better believe I'm going to go.
0: I don't know how up to speed you are on what I'm doing, but um, I like to do these like, weird vlogs and yeah. stuff. Uh, I want to go and I want to take a, video, a couple of cameras and film that and oh, yeah. make that a vlog. My guest today is Evan Way from the band The Parson Redheads. Thank you for being here. I don't want to start on your new record yet, but you were kind enough to share it with me. Um, I want to kind of get a history of the band, because... If I remember correctly, you're originally from here, and then you moved to L.A., and then you moved back. Yeah. Where Where in that world did Parsons start? Um, we started while I was going to
1: college in Eugene, so a couple hours south of Portland. Yeah. Met Sam in a literature class. Passed him a note. No or, way. We, we, like, passed notes. I don't know how it happened. But, like, somehow we ended up sharing lists of, like, Current fave bands wow. and they were like startlingly similar. It was Sunny Twitter. It was State like Twitter. Oh, it was Saturday definitely days. on on both of those lists. So it's like Twitter before computers. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so we were hanging out. I'd been playing in another band. He was looking to start a band. Ended up starting to make music together. Um, Brett joined the band not long after that, and yeah, we just like started playing, and it was like. All of us were aware that like this is like more fun than it has been playing with other people. No offense to the other people that we've been playing with. There's something about this that like has something that like we want to keep doing. So yeah, we ended up moving to LA about a year later. The whole band, Um, playing down there for six years almost, pretty nonstop playing too. Like yeah, we went. You went went for it. Okay. Yeah. Like, that first year, we probably played 200 shows. Like just in L.A. or just around? We'd do L.A., Southern California, like, down yeah. to San Diego. We'd make a lot of trips up to San Francisco anytime we could. We were just like, any show we can get. Go for any it. Any night we're not playing a show, we're practicing. Because we quickly realized we were bad. <laughs> <laughs> we, like, moved, played our first show. One of the worst shows we've ever played. Although, Brett was like, I played good. <laughs> she still maintains. She was like, it was you guys. <laughs> but, like first show finished i was like that was bad the other bands were good we were bad but yeah it was just like these guys were like to us i was like these are professionals and we just came in here and we we're like children so we like practice like five nights a week whether we wanted to or not so yeah we were down there for six years played a ton at some point we just realized like this we we came up in like a great music scene down there just at the right time yeah <clears throat> all these really like-minded bands really supportive It was, like, super amazing. Like, wouldn't trade that time for for anything. Like, so many great bands. Everybody was going to each other's shows or Mm -hmm. playing each other's shows. Um, And, you know, after six years, the scene kind of changed. Most of those bands broke up or moved or got so big that they never played around anymore. Um, And so, you know, the the landscape was different. We didn't necessarily want to be the one band, like, still plan space land <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it was like man we should change things up too like we kind of felt like we'd hit the ceiling like man we'll play space on echo however many you know 300 people will come That's cool. cool Yeah. but like what, what, else? what else like yeah. we all have crazy full time jobs cause you have to um, to live so it was like we're working these 60 hour a week jobs or whatever practicing whenever we can like, is there a better way to, like, become a better band? <laughs> right.
0: Did Were you married to Brett mm-hmm. at the time?
1: Yeah, we got married, like, a year... Well, probably two years after the band started, okay. we got married. It was just like, it was time. It was like, we need to change things up, like, yeah. see what else we can do. Um, so we moved up to Portland, and yeah, we've been here now for seven years going on. This will be our fourth full-length record.
0: I love your music. I really do. I have for a long time. I'm really glad that we finally connected. What era was that when you were in LA? You were was that? We moved in 2010. That era cuz I started playing music like kind of as my job in like 2005. And that was when it was like you could still sell music
1: yeah in that world yeah um
0: i (laughs) mean you could digital downloads (laughs) right like but still like what was did you ever get a sense of like that era like what were the industry folks in like los angeles doing during that era were they all freaking out or Mm, not on the surface i just feel like that whole area that whole era is kind of like sort of like you could see things changing yeah and then around 2010 to 2012 people were in like a panic that was panic. yeah
1: we moved before the panic hit yeah but you definitely i mean i think the thing that we saw most was everybody was just unbe- like so much more cautious with what they would commit to or right. who they would sign i mean well, that's still the case right? And that's now. still the case yeah. now even more probably because but yeah. before then there was this era of like you know the ethos was like sign everybody 20 bands, yeah. sign everyone <laughs> yeah if they're playing sign them give them a little bit of money see what sticks you know it was like the third yeah. against the wall and see what sticks and it suddenly became like wait and make friends with everybody and then when you see a band that is essentially reached the point where they don't need us anymore then try to
0: send them.
1: yeah it's like if they're already selling out shows and selling records try to sign them.
0: yeah I, that didn't make sense to me no um did you g- grow up in like a uh because that's like a complete DIY mentality. Yeah. Did you grow up in like a punk scene or any kind of DIY world when, when you started playing music? Or
1: um, You know, I started playing music in, when I was... I started, my first band when I was like 13. And I mean, we weren't doing it. We were just playing in my garage. Right, no yeah. I that have that band track That yeah. we were playing. I have
0: some cassettes. I have a cassette <coughs> still Maybe off that. Too.
1: Maybe we should trade.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um,
1: in Eugene, it was pretty... I mean, it was like... You'd play... One show at, like, Sam Bonds, you Mm -hmm. know, the one nice place to play. Maybe one at Lucky's, the next level down. And then you'd play ten in basements. Right. So it was a little bit, I mean, but we didn't care. I mean, Eugene was just like, how many college students can we get at a show? Like, And there were some, like, legit... Like a couple of like the big frat houses were like they were like the show houses. Really, Lorax was one. Like that's warehouse show. uh, Like a good like major house house show. Wow.
0: Place. So we played a lot of house shows. That's so different from the um the fraternity culture like in the South that where I grew up. Where.
1: Well, there were those two. Right. Okay. And there's even more now. Eugene's transformed too. But. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, I mean, there was just so many hippies. Still, you know, there'd yeah. be one like straight up frat house, and then one that was like a fr- frat house. <laughs> yeah. It was like a commune.
0: I was I say possibly a commune? Yeah. But, not um,
1: but those were big. Partially because for a lot of the time we were in Eugene, um, you couldn't play at a bar if you were under 21. Really? Yeah, it was like that changed like not long before we moved.
0: This is something I've been thinking about lately, and I don't know if it's because I'm older or now that i'm a dad or a combination of both or if it's really just a big uh, problem overall but like the all ages thing when i was growing up in atlanta you could go i could go to masquerade as a 14 year old with my brother yeah you know and they would just put huge x's (coughs) on my hand i couldn't and even in birmingham when i when i where i lived before here like you could there you could go to a show under if you were under 21 right but what is going on in portland there's no all ages No, I mean... they. I mean, other than, like, huge concerts. Right. They've tried um,
1: and never really worked, which is weird, because everybody I talk to (laughs) wants
0: one. Right. So I don't know what they're doing wrong. I understand, like, from a business perspective, like, what makes money in clubs is alcohol. Sure. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I wish they would just relax that law.
1: I know. There is no all-age scene. There just isn't here. There used to be one. I remember... And it might still be there up in like Washington, like Olympia area. Mm-hmm. There was like this little collective of venues, like the Firehouse and Department of Safety, and a couple others. And I remember even being down in LA when we booked tours. I like that. That was like a destination. Right. I'd be like, I want to get up there because like that's the only place we can play on the whole West Coast. That's where all like ages. People, well, yeah.
0: kids can come. It's like uh, uh, Kilby Court. Yeah. And in Salt Lake, yeah. Like. That's I still have so many fond memories of playing that place. Yeah, I played well and then like afterwards, like I sold more merch that night than yeah, I did for the rest are, of the tour. Kids are pumped. Yeah, and they, they can't buy alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all like City, like the beer's like really minimal That's the anyway worst beer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cur- I'm curious the long term effects. Is this gonna kill some sort of indie rock thing or right. is it gonna move something into you know, like the punk scene and and metal scene here is a lot of basement shows. Right. You know, like is that what it's gonna do? It's just so weird. Like, you can't have a small club with, like, people under 21. Yeah. I mean, because you have to – for people listening that don't live in in Oregon or Portland, I don't know if it's a city or whatever, but, like, if you're under 21, you have to stay in a specific zone. If you're over 21, you have to drink in a specific zone. And so, like, for clubs like Doug Fur, that's, like, what, 300 people or whatever. it just becomes untenable. Yeah, it's not doable. You know, it's like – and this will get into another conversation, but as like a dad, what are you? What do you think your responsibility is with music, like for your kids?
1: Well, it's weird being a dad who plays so much music. You know, I have three kids now who are like growing up in a house where we're practicing once a week and playing shows, and so they're kind of surrounded by it. So I think my first responsibility when we when we had our first kid, it was like we had to have the discussion about like, well, what are we gonna do? about music i think our first responsibility we realized was like not stop like right. don't stop playing music just don't give up your identity and stuff that's important to you you know do what we love and model what model that to our kids but i don't know i mean for me going to shows when i was a kid was huge mm-hmm. i'm sure a huge part of the reason why I'm playing music now. No, oh, I know it is and for I you me. do it all the time. So, yeah, it is this like, where can you go? Like, all of a sudden, like, when George is 16, which, show, which shows are.
0: Is I don't know. And team? the reason I kind of brought this up was my neighbor is like a senior in high school. He's getting ready to graduate. And he was like, can you sneak me into the show? And I was like, I'll ask, but I don't think I can. Like, right. you know, like, that's just like, and I can't. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, it was just like, because that was what made me like realize like there's a big need that needs to be met somehow right. culturally cuz i feel like in portland we place a lot of like importance on culture Yeah. and like creating art and shoes and right. you know like there's a very creator culture here and, and you don't and, let your kids but then you don't let your kids be a part <laughs> of it you know like they don't get to experience <laughs> right. it and that's
1: yeah, yeah it's that's been just it's been on my mind
0: i've had the conversation with
1: a lot of people like like i said i know a ton of people who want it to happen
0: mm-hmm. I don't know anyone. Did you know? Who did really you know Todd? Um, Todd Fatal. Mm-hmm. He had. He used to run Mount Meow Meow, meow yeah. which all of my friends here that used, to, used that to came up here used yeah. to go there all the time, and yeah. that's part of the reason that they're. We had that club where I grew up in Atlanta called. Um, it was called the Strand first, and then they got kicked out of there because the owner was living there, <laughs> and then they moved to a strip mall and they were called. It was called Pterodactyl. That was the name of the club, Pterodactyl. And like I saw like. You know growing up in the south i saw tons of like tooth and nail bands like mxpx and then five iron frenzy and all that kind of all the guys yeah all the people (laughs) playing down i mean i think and evan relton and us we always laugh about how we grew up in like the same scene yeah but in just different corners of like the country oh yeah all right want to talk about your new record there's a tension to this record that i don't think i've ever heard with your music Mm. and it's a very self-reflective album I'm not saying in the past you haven't yeah. been like reflecting about, but like I feel like there's a maturity to this and a weird kind of tension that you're writing from. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the songs, I think for me, and please tell me if I'm like way off base on this, but deal with like. Uh, Either some sort of self-doubt Or like a little bit of loneliness Or um, second-guessing some decisions Or regret or something like that Or Mm -hmm. kind of When you started writing this record Were these just all songs you'd already written Or was it kind of like You saw this narrative This thread kind of coming through Um,
1: It's a mix A lot of them And this happens with most of our records Is like I'll have a backlog of songs Because I'm just always like Something will come And I'll kind of write it So kind of come into a record And like look at like which songs are kind of sticking out right now and seeming to work? Right. And then, you know, I'll be writing songs in the midst of that, and usually, like, invariably, eventually, like, a thread starts to appear. Like, oh man, these songs are kind of like saying similar things. Stuff I'm writing is starting to like fall into line with that, and then I can pick out of the out of the group like what is where's the record out of right. all these songs. Um, so you know, a couple of them are super old but yeah i mean that is a lot of it's like it's really nostalgic record um and i'm a pretty nostalgic person Mm -hmm. naturally but i think especially for this one it just a lot of it is just about like thinking about specifically relationships more more than anything like you know like we all have like friends that we once had that we don't have anymore that you're like man did i do that right like we're not friends anymore like that relationship did i right like how did that end the way like was i responsible in the way that relationship ended or i don't know i think about that stuff like decisions you make that at the time you're like this is the right thing or i did this right and then years later you're older and more mature you've been through more and you're like i was dumb. yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and so it's a little bit about that and just like what do you do with that like right As like you have to let that then inform how you how you live moving forward, and you can't let it control you, but
0: you can learn from it. Take yourself outside of being a musician right now, because when you say, "What do you do with that?" you and I process it through music. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you? What do you think? How would you process it without music?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's about like, and this is what a lot of my music is about. It's like about. It's just about people, mm-hmm. right? And even music's about people. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so it's like, how, how does this past experience affect how I'm going to treat this person and this person mm-hmm. this person? Can I be more intentional with every relationship in a way that's better? Right? Um, can I be less selfish about how I treat that, treat that relationship? Yeah. Things like that. Um, especially now, I just feel like, in general culture and our lives are like we move so fast everything's so fast it's like really easy to not treat any relationship very seriously
0: Mm.
1: and not take people very seriously um so i don't know it's just like and it's about the records about being in a band for 13 years and like all the people you've interacted with being in a band people you've played music with um that you wish you still played music with or people that you can't believe you played music with right. or, and,
0: and, all that stuff. You know? yeah. like, it's a very reflective album. Yeah. You were talking about kind of relationships and how like we move at such a fast pace and our relationships sometimes are very like surface level. Right. Maybe technology is to blame for some of that. But as a as a new dad, I mean, I say a new dad. I've been a dad for a year. I still consider myself completely <laughs> lost at times. But like I've noticed that's one of the big things I've struggled with is meaningful relationships Mm -hmm. outside of like since like before Beckett was born, right? Like so, Lauren and I were fine, like we talk every day, we see each other, and all that stuff. But like outside of that, it's like how do we how do you continue that as a musician, as a dad, as a human, as a husband? Like where is what's that balance like, and is is that what you're trying to figure out still?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think I think we always are. It's been for years now. Quite naturally, like the people I spend most time with, other than my family, are the people I play music with. Mm -hmm. I think that's common. Like the people that you share the most special things with are the people that you gravitate towards just wanting to be around. Especially when your time becomes more limited or less your own. You know, you have a wife, then you have kids. You know, you're going to prioritize music too because it's really important. So naturally, the people that you share that with are going to become like, the core, right? We can only have so many <laughs> friends. You yeah. can only have so many people in your core, but it doesn't mean that like the interactions you have with people who are maybe on the next level outside can't be meaningful. Meaningful. Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes yeah tons of work to like ever like to like ever like be tuned in and actually like care about what somebody's saying. <laughs> right, right. I
0: I feel like now like it's it's taken me a year. And I feel like I'm coming out of the fog a yeah. little bit now, and I'm like, I haven't talked to this person in forever, yeah. and I want to know what they're doing. I think part of this podcast will eventually be me just trying to figure out, like, how to be a dad, a musician, and a yeah. husband, you know, like, in whatever order. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's fascinating. And a friend, because that's, like, you know, we get, I gain a lot from my friendships mm-hmm. and, uh, as well, you know, and I just feel like that's a something that I've been missing over the past year. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, like, yeah, it's like I said, for a long time, like my closest friend friendships are the people I'm playing music with, and that's like, it's something you kind of always strive for or want. Like when we started the band, it was like we were buds. Yeah, let's play music too, and then when we're done with practice, let's just hang out. Yeah, and
0: that was like. Why you did it? That's what well, I mean. That's how we are too. Like I feel that same way with us as a band, and,
1: and I kind of I kind of feel like if you don't have that, you should start looking. You should you should play another <laughs>
0: band. Yeah, you should be in another band. Yeah, because what was it? My friend from Nashville told me that like being in being in like on tour or being hired as a musician or being in a band is like twenty percent. Are you good at your instrument? Eighty percent. Are you annoying you right. know like <laughs> can, right. cause we're gonna have to travel across yeah. the country in tight spaces together um but yeah I think the, the camaraderie of uh of music is a really is a gift mm-hmm. and it's all over your new record like I can hear the way that just having known you for a f- few years now and listening to your earlier stuff like just the way that you guys communicate with each other musically and like or get on the same page yeah I how much was this multi-tracked? Were you guys all like doing like the the foundations together in the same room? Mm,
1: this one, you know, up till now we've always done it that way. Like mm-hmm. bass, drums, two guitars together. Right. Then go from there. This one because we tracked it like ourselves, like in our homes. Yeah. Um, we would track drums and and me. Right. And then add on top of that the bass and the then... bass and everything else. Yeah. And go from there, but. Yeah,
0: historically we've always wanted gone for that but. because it feels very natural. Yeah, like there's no, um, it, it doesn't feel gritted out. It feels like you know I, I totally well I, yeah. In my no. ear, I can hear something slow down or <coughs> speed yeah. up and like, but not in a, like a an inexperienced way. It's a very experienced like yeah, this yeah. moment. We need to just chill for a second and then drive it again a little bit harder, which is the nature of music. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we don't like to use. Uh, Metronomes yeah. in, in recording. Yeah. We definitely didn't like to use them. This uh, this one. Yeah, I mean, we played 13 years. We've been playing together. You kind of know each other's so languages. I think we finally oh. we finally got to the point just recently where I think it actually like it comes through. I mean, it's been a long time where we felt really comfortable and we've understood each other musically, but mm-hmm. I think we're still growing in that. And that, like, now it's really coming through
0: just how natural it is to play together. These are the things that I wanted to say about this record I love it. (laughs) I like that one. I want it on vinyl. Okay. Where can I send my money? I've, I, I will, I'm just going to gush for a second because I really do think this is one of the most like, you know, all my friends that make music, uh, I'm always really proud of what they do because it's really tough to make something. Yeah. But then when you make something that like is really good, it makes me even more proud. But like this record for me, to, it, I just feel like this is uh, of the stuff I've heard and I've loved all the stuff in the past. I feel like this is the most together and mature and natural it just feels like you, yeah. like what I've known of you over the past few years. Like it just is this really. I don't want to call it nostalgic, but there's a there's a, a paste and a sonic quality to the record that really comes across with your personality. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's kind of present and thoughtful, but it, it and it can drive when it needs. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I, I'm gonna stop. Yeah, I just I really am really like proud of you. I think this is an amazing record, and I hope that it's wildly successful Sweet. for you. you. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, we're we're stoked about it. I mean, there's a lot of work, and we, you know, tracking it all. Yeah, trying to learn how to like track a record. Did this your first time ever doing that? Yeah, Uh, we we did a couple of EPs, like Mm -hmm. pretty DIY, like in our rehearsal space. But this was the first one where we had gear and microphones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's so complicated. Drums are the hardest thing. Oh man! And you guys nailed that early '70s drum sound. Yeah. Well, the snare sounds so good. Yeah, we tracked them in
1: a. In our old den, which was like, this heavily insulated, thick carpet, yeah, drop ceiling. You so, know, it's like real, like, like so, so it's like real, like tight. dead. that's so. Oh my gosh. Luckily, that worked for what we were trying to do because yeah. I don't think we would have been able to
0: get anything. Did, else. how is being married to someone in your band? Not in a sense of what do you fight about, but like, because like with my marriage, I had I know certain cues to be like, I need to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Those work in practice. Okay, too. okay good. <laughs> but like, how does that how does that dynamic work and in, in in the good ways? Like, because I want to celebrate yeah. these kind of amazing relationships and how they can benefit us. Yeah, I mean, creatively.
1: it's definitely been a learning process. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been married most of the time that we've had the band. Um, definitely, when we started, like, I remember, we literally weren't able to, we couldn't practice just her and me. Like, it would be fine. We'd have band practice. If it was ever like, hey, we should just go rehearse. Everybody, no one else is available. Right. We'd almost always get in a a fight. (laughs) I was like, I guess we just can't practice. You needed a mediator. Sam was your mediator. We needed some, like, other people involved, some buffers. Yeah. Because there's just too much. It's too, you're too close to it and to each other. The moment one person gives a suggestion to the other, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, really? That's what you think of this? (laughs) Um. So it is complicated. Yeah. But we're past that. We can practice just her right. and I now. That's great. <laughs> we, we've we've ironed that stuff
0: out. um Because <laughs> she probably calls the shots. Let's be honest. Well,
1: yeah. I definitely don't tell her what to do as much anymore. For and that's for the better because yeah. she's a better drummer than I am. So. Yeah. I mean, I love it. it yeah. To be able to share that part of my life with my wife, like... That's amazing. To be able to be like, hey, I had this idea for the set list and for her to care. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I know there's a lot of guys who might hear this who, like, are in bands or gals who are in bands right? who would love to nerd out about their idea for a set list with
0: their spouse. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. Not in my relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not good at receiving um, suggestions from (laughs) a lot of people, period, including my wife. Like, I don't like... (laughs) You know, I don't know. Maybe I should be a little more open to that. Record comes out June 9th. 9th. The record's coming
1: out on Fluff and Gravy. Okay. Portland label here in town. Awesome. If they can't get it physically from us, then track them down. Fluff
0: and Gravy. Seriously, Evan, like, stellar work. Like, I'm super thankful you let me listen to it. Because, like, I really. (laughs) Like, just the opening track with, like, the synth part. And then it just moves into this kind of, like,. Sleetwood Mac, like, steady life feel. I don't know. I just, I'm so, like, yeah, I'm (laughs) very excited that it's coming out, and I hope it, like, does amazing things for y'all, because, yeah, (laughs) because y'all deserve it. Okay, do you have time to play video games? I do. Perfect. Thank you again for listening to Podcast Atlantic. Hope your day is wonderful wherever you are. Go listen to that, that new Parson Redhead's record. It's a beautiful thing. As always, follow us on whatever your social media platform of choice is. We're pretty much at Ford Atlantic, unless you're the person that has that handle on Snapchat. Thanks for nothing. Uh, until next time, I'm John. Have a good one.